Hello everybody and Happy New Year. Welcome to 2022 and welcome back to Spill Your Beans, the podcast series we do here on Spotify and all other good podcasting networks. Um, this is not the start of a new series of film reviews and all that sort of thing. I'm still underway the planning with that and I've got a few exciting things to announce with that in due course. Um, but obviously, if you're in the Doctor Who community, you will know that there was a new Doctor Who episode on New Year's Day, and of course, I'm going to do a Who review for it. I have to. This is probably going to be the shortest one, though. Not because of inconvenience, not because I can't be bothered, um, but because I don't really feel like I have too much to say that's different to that of my YouTube review. With Flux, there was so much going on and so many different interweaving storylines, whereas this was just one story. And it's kind of a nice, refreshing change. But uh, yeah, no, we'll get into that in all due course. Starting off, before we get into that, obviously, a huge, huge thank you to all of you who have been listening to the podcast over the last year. We've had some fantastic listens on it, and we've had some fantastic feedback uh, with an increasing amount of views and people supporting the podcast. It's just been a fantastic year last year. Not only did it start last year, the podcast isn't even a year old, uh, and it's still getting some amazing traction uh, with the film reviews and the little reviews and the panel reviews and all that sort of thing. All different things that we try and do with it. It's a lot of fun, and... Um, you know, I've had a great time with it, and I'm really excited to start sort of get going for the next little series or era of the show. Um, and I'm quite enjoying doing these Who reviews as well, actually. It's a nice little uh, change of pace, which is quite interesting. I thought it was a bit of an experiment last time around uh, during Flux, but you guys seem to enjoy it. It's brought a lot of new people over to the podcast, so we're going to be continuing it here. So Eve of the Daleks uh, came out. It's uh, New Year's Day, the New Year's Day special, the first um, standalone Doctor Who episode we've had since Revolution of the Daleks, which was last New Year's Day. So it's been a whole year since the last Dalek special, um, and there's a lot going on with this. You probably saw my initial review, and what I will say, a little jump into it straight away, but I actually preferred it on rewatch. I think the initial watch, I was trying to follow too much of what was going on. I think now I've had time to kind of understand the story and kind of just get it and just watch it again, and just take it in like that, it went a lot quicker, it didn't drag as much as I initially thought it did, and to be honest, I enjoyed it a lot more. It's definitely not without its flaws, and we'll talk through that in this sort of podcast episode, but, um, yeah, no, I think for the majority of the episode, I did enjoy it a lot more than I did uh, on my initial viewing on New Year's Day. I knew I'd missed something, like, I, I watched it first time around, and I was like, this is just not that good, and then I went on Twitter, and everyone loves it, um, now, the one thing I did love is obviously the whole um, Yaz sexuality thing, the Thasman stuff. Like, that's brilliant. And that was the only kind of takeaway for me from the episode originally. But since I've looked through a few things and I've rewatched it, and you know what? It's actually not as bad as I first thought. I still stand by it's probably my least favourite Dalek special. Maybe it's slightly better than Re uh, Resolution, the first one. But I think I still prefer Revolution, even though Revolution isn't incredible and a lot of people have a lot of flaws with it myself included um i think i still prefer what they did with the scale of the daleks and that and how they stepped it up from resolution to revolution it felt like a little bit of a different dalek story um whereas this felt very familiar uh which isn't necessarily a bad thing but familiar but nothing kind of new other than like a new gun which isn't really enough to sell it for me personally um, but yeah, let's talk about the story. So we've got these people trapped in a storage facility and it's looping over and over again. The reason it's looping is because of the TARDIS uh, repairing itself and 
Yeah, the Doctor and Cole and Nick and Sarah are stuck in this storage facility with a Dalek or multiple Daleks that are there to kill the Doctor and anyone else who gets in their way. Um, it's an interesting concept. It's simple, it's short, it's sweet, it gets to the point. Um, I sort of really liked the initial opening of the episode. I think Nick arriving to the storage facility and um, Sarah sort of talking on the phone to, to Jeff before um you know the interaction with nick what i will say is in terms of like dialogue and character and writing like the extra characters like the, the new ones that only appear in like one episode always kind of seem like they pretty well done in the chibnall era and i'm not really sure why especially with these specials like one of my favorite like character power like kind of couple dynamics was in resolution and i can't remember their name which isn't quite helpful um, but the couple that the Doctor and um, the TARDIS team sort of pick up in Resolution, um, that was brilliant. A great dynamic, great writing, and really great, just very realistic acting. And this is sort of bumped up here with um, Aisling B, who is a phenomenal, like, comedic performer. She has got incredible comedic timing. And she really elevates the writing. Like, the writing in some places isn't perfect, but... Aisling B, when it comes to comedy, can really make it work. There's, like, lines that are sort of... You know, it's like how normal dialogue works in film and TV and, and just in real life, you know? Like, when someone's speaking, people do interrupt each other. And that doesn't happen very often in the Chibnall era. Or really in Doctor Who, I kind of, I guess. I don't really know. It just felt very off-putting. Um, and then I realised in this episode that's oh, that's something that I haven't really seen be done because... The actors are very like, say this, say that, say this, say that. Aisling B was just breaking kind of all the conventional rules that we've been used to the last two years and just kind of talking over herself, talking over other people, kind of jumping in a bit too early. But it made it feel more realistic. And I have to give huge like props to like Aisling B for that because I feel like comedically she absolutely carried this episode. Um, she did a, a great job. Like I, I know I keep like going on about it and I don't want to slam the like uh would it get you too much um but like you know she did an amazing job with this and i think chibnall um and his era does struggle a little bit with more comedic writing um but this is probably some of the best example of that but again also some of the worst examples of that the guy who played nick was all right but there was a few lines where i was like what what like the exterminated thing that's all in the writing that's not in the performance in fairness but i was just like Oh man, you were doing so well with some of these jokes and stuff, but then some of them just just don't land like at all. Um, but yeah, no. Generally, in terms of story, I really liked the the idea. Um, I just wish there'd been a bit more like pizzazz put into it. Um, obviously, this is kind of the low budget episode. It definitely feels like that, especially on rewatch, um, which to me tells me hopefully that they're they're saving money to. To really splash out on the centenary special and the um the sea devils episode i really hope they they sort of go all out with them because you know they can because this storage facility was all right but it was very much a storage facility and very obviously a storage facility where i was like there's no like look for me like I, i'm looking at it and i'm like this is this this scene just feels so empty and flat and dull and i know that's the point the lobby was like an interesting place and i know they had lots of different storage rooms with different stuff in it but like even that was a bit bare bones like a room full of just beans and uh, you know beef and beans cans yeah and like holiday gear and like it's very kind of stereotypical it's fine but it was very cartoony or it was very flat 
and that was kind of like the weird balance of it. I feel like Revolution did such a good job with the Daleks in terms of this gorgeous like new aesthetic. Um, and the lighting. The lighting in this episode was good. I'll give them that. They did some great um they did great jobs with some of the lighting. There was like a pink lighting at one point, like a really dark hue green lighting, the red lighting when the Dalek first appears in the red. It's gorgeous. It's genuinely scary because the Dalek's like in the dark, which is how it kinda should be in a way, I guess. It was it was you know, it was proper. It felt like it was actually trying at those points. But I think, you know, you can do a lot with lighting and I just wish they'd put a little bit more into the actual set design and like location of this i know they've splashed out throughout flux and they probably have for the centenary and the sea devil episode as well but like i was just i don't know maybe i'm being a bit too much but i kind of wanted a bit more in terms of like the the visual style of this just to see a little bit more of it like the poster for example looks gorgeous but i don't feel that from the episode other than in the lobby it's kind of a it's a difficult one because it is supposed to be an old rundown storage center but that is because of like you know budget um, but yeah, no, it's fine. I, I like the story. It's very basic, but it, it does the trick. I just wish they'd done something slightly different with the visual style of it. But then that's being nitpicky. So there we go. So in terms of the TARDIS team dynamic, um, I said this on Twitter, but I think the dynamic between Jodie, uh, Jodie's uh, 13th Doctor, Dan and Yaz is probably preferable to me than the one uh, in the first TARDIS team that uh, Jodie had in her era with, um, uh, Graham and Ryan. I like Graham and Ryan to an extent, but I think Dan feels a lot more of a natural character. I feel like he's able to play that a lot more than Bradley Walsh was able to. I love Bradley Walsh, and he did a good job with the dialogue he was given. Like he he did live and breathe it. But I really like Dan's more subtle approach. Yeah, he's not given much to do, but I still feel like I like his character more. Um, and I feel the dynamic between him and Yaz feels a lot more like two friends than like they have you know like the, the yaz and graham had a lovely little speech together at the end of like timeless children and ascension of the cybermen but like it wasn't really enough it didn't really feel like it had anything there this feels like a genuine team um weirdly for me the odd one out is 13 um who in this episode in my genuine honest opinion i th i didn't really feel it um i like her as the doctor i i have for a long time and i and i have i've really liked her era um you know it has its flaws but i still i love it for what it is and i but with this episode there's a few things i mean there was a speech where 13 is just sort of in the lobby and she's talking about like friendship and like come together and we try and we fail and we do it again it felt very reminiscent of like the final speech from orphan 55 it's like again i'm not trying to slam it too hard but i have to be honest where even on rewatch, I'm sat there watching that scene going, oh, please stop talking. This is really, like, cringe. <laughs> like, I can feel myself going, oh, this is just so, like, forced. And it's not in Jodie. That's in the writing. I just wish she was characterised differently. Because I think Jodie Whittaker is an excellent actor. And I think when she's given the good, like, a good material, she can work with it really well. But the way, for some reason, they've characterised this version of the Doctor it kind of just as slowly but surely kind of just lost me. And it's like not a terrible thing. Like I can still watch it and like Jodie and there's some great moments with Jodie in this episode. And as per usual, you know my reviews, I always say that Jodie delivers. She does deliver. I just kind of like look at it and wish that like, I don't know, I just wish they'd characterize a slightly less jokey and happy-go-lucky and more sort of serious. Because she works really well with the serious stuff. But then the sort of lighter stuff doesn't really go down as well for me personally. But, you know, it is what it is. And I think, you know, it's a shame because I think Dan and Yaz, despite not being given as much, 
absolutely like rocked this episode and Jodie was the one where I was like uh, I'm not too sure but that's fine you know it's a rare change because usually I'm, I'm more against the companions not being done justice or had enough to do or anything like that but yeah um if we move on to Nick and Sarah as I said before like the dynamic between them two was really good um I think Nick was a bit of a weird character I didn't really pick up on this first time uh but on rewatch and especially seeing some people's comments on Twitter that guy is a bit creepy like like in, in the sense of work collecting all your extra stuff and bringing it in is really dodgy and it's a bit it's overlooked too quickly. I know it's like cool or whatever, but it's it's not like it doesn't. It's a bit weird. Let's be honest. It is a bit weird, um, and I know it's like oh, he's a good-hearted weirdo, and that that's the whole thing, and it's kind of tying it all together. And like, it does work, but like him coming there three years in a row just because she, you know, she'll be there alone. And also putting all of his ex's stuff in storage. It just kind of... It, it is a bit weird, but also it's like... It's a bit... It's a bit dodgy. I'm not really sure how I feel about it, to be honest. It's a bit it's a bit of an odd one. And I think a lot of people have pointed out their concerns with it as well. And I think that's fair enough. I think Aisling B's uh, character is brilliant. Um, you know, she's an excellent community performer, as I've already mentioned. And I think she did a great job with the script given. I, like, I saw her character and I absolutely loved it, the way she was brought into work at the minute, last minute on New Year's Eve, not wanting to see anyone's notifications, getting a bit frustrated at her mum calling her at the wrong time. Um, there was a lot there, whereas Nick, I, I kind of felt like because he was so like cut off from the outside life and didn't have any kind of friends immediately, um, and had been coming here every New Year to put something in storage just because he knows Sarah will be there. It's like, it's okay, but it's kind of a bit odd because I'm kind of like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how, how I, like, feel about that particularly. I don't like particularly how it's played off so easily as, oh, then they just get together and they're happy, you know, happy ever after. Because it's, it's okay because he has a crush on, on Sarah. And I'm like, yeah, cool. But it's still a bit odd. And I'm not really 100% on how I feel about that. But, you know, that's kind of the only letdown with those characters because the rest of the time they absolutely delivered. They were, they were a lot of fun and... Yeah, you know, their interactions with seeing Daleks are totally normal. You wouldn't really be scared of a Dalek if you saw it come through. You'd be thinking, what the fuck is that? Because it's so... Daleks are so clunky and obvious and weird. It's just funny. Like, when they sort of come through and, and Sarah's like... What? 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 Like, what? <laughs> um, and also Dan's interaction with the Dalek as well, I thought was really funny. I know people are criticising it because it was a bit, like, a bit daft and a bit just, you know, but I think that's just perfect. Like, John Bishop is a comedian as well, and that was just kind of the the perfect kind of just piss-takey kind of thing that Dan should be doing more of because it worked so well in War of the Santarans and it worked great here as well. Like, he is genuinely funny when he gets given that sort of stuff. Um, and I'd love to see it. What can I say? In terms of the uh, Daleks, a lot of people have had a lot of criticisms about that, and I'll join in. <laughs> um, the Daleks not being able to shoot straight, despite what they have a Gatling gun. Um, yeah, yeah, fair enough. I think it's overplayed, and I think it's it's this is another discussion about fandom again, but that's just Doctor Who for you, isn't it? Um, there was one scene where I thought it was a bit weird when um, Thirteen and Yaz were running down a hallway, like a perfectly straight hallway. Um, with a trolley and they were running quite slowly and the Dalek was behind them with a Gatling gun shooting and not a single thing hit anywhere near them. That was a bit like, okay, in which case, why would you have... That's where you just wouldn't... That's where the Gatling gun kind of thing doesn't really work, I guess, because it's sort of like, you must be able to hit them with one shot. 
You know what I mean? And then you've, but then the other stuff I think is fine. Like whenever the Daleks miss elsewhere, it's not that big of an issue for me because they're moving targets, they're moving across. The Dalek has to kind of actually try and hit them. It's not just a straight corridor. It's the straight corridor shot that I thought was a bit weird, but that was a one-off thing. It's mad to me that people are making such a big deal of this. I get it. I understand it. You want the Daleks to be killing machines. I want the Daleks to be killing machines, but like they do kill in this. And I feel like, despite the fact that they are a bit cheesy and a bit overused Daleks at the moment, I still like how they are in this because they're, I don't know, they're like, they're, they're back to basics Daleks, you know, they're a bit scary, but they are just, they serve a purpose. I wish they'd do more with the Daleks, but you know, we've got Russell coming around the corner, so we'll wait and see for that. Um, in terms of this, I thought it was... You know, it was an interesting idea, but the Daleks weren't the main focus of the story. The story was more to do with the time loop, more to do with the uh, romantic relationships, you know, sort of developing um, with the human characters. Um, it wasn't really to do with the Daleks. It could have been anyone. It could have been Cybermen. You know, it could have been, it could have been, you know, it works with Daleks because it's a Dalek New Year special. The one thing I do feel a little bit let down with here is that this didn't end up being like the third part of a trilogy because resolution and revolution tied together so well revolution was a clear sequel to resolution i think i'm not the only one who kind of wanted sort of a big bombastic kind of all-out dalek special to sort of round up this trilogy and be sort of geordie's last dalek episode or at least we think anyway if, if they're not back in the centenary special i just wanted this to be I don't know. I wanted this to be more than what it ended up being. It felt like... What it felt like was a Moffat-era Dalek episode, which is a criticism, because I, I, I can't stand the Moffat-era Dalek episodes for the most part. Like, Into the Dalek's pretty good, but then this felt very much like... This felt very much like Magician's Apprentice in terms of the Daleks having a bit of a sense of humour and stuff and it being joked around with a little bit much, where it's like they don't feel as serious as a threat, e even if they're killing people. I know. It's a, it's a weird one, like, because part of me loved it, Part of me was like, oh, I wish we'd had like something like Revolution where they feel threatening and scary. Because they have done in Resolution and Revolution, you know? And I was really hoping this would deliver something where it's like, you know, the Daleks are back in town, you know? They are they are back. People were theorizing about Davros. It was never going to happen, but I was kind of like hoping for something big where it like steps up. Like it's still a direct continuation of Revolution of the Daleks. Um... But it just wasn't at all. It was something set on Earth at New Year's Day again. And, you know, Daleks. <laughs> that's that's about it. You know, that's about all you can say. Like, it's, it, 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 it's fine. I just wish it was tied in a little bit more than it actually ended up being. But that's fine. You know, it is what it is. I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, whatever. Um, I just would have had a preference another way. To be honest if i was to choose how this episode would have gone as much as i actually like the final product here i would have preferred probably a, a third part to that big building dalek trilogy um because now it feels like a really weird like oh jody had three dalek new year's day specials but two of them tie together the other one doesn't it's kind of a bit weird when you put it like that but it's fine it's fine the daleks did their job in this and they were fine i just feel like they weren't entirely necessary the one callback i did like was jody trying to jam the dalek gun like she did in resolution which is pretty good i didn't think that was possible i thought the reason that was possible in resolution was because the dalek hadn't synced up with the new armor yet and it was able to block its communication whereas 
I don't remember the Doctor ever being able to do that beforehand, because that would have been pretty useful in any Dalek situation, really, to be honest. Um, but that's apparently a thing, that you can, well, the, Do- the Doctor can just sort of block a Dalek's laser signal. But now they can't, because they have this new Gatling gun, which is cool, and I like that. It's a good excuse for getting a new gun in there, a new Dalek variant. I wish they looked different, though. I wish they had a bit of a different paint job, but you know... What can you do? What can you do? It's the same Dalek nitpicks. I'm kind of sick of them looking bronze when they've got like a cool different aesthetic. Maybe they shouldn't have had two arms. Maybe they should have, since they never used the other arm, maybe it would have been cooler to have them as special weapons. Uh, New series Daleks have the big Gatling gun in the middle and that be the new sort of thing and that that be it. That'd be the only weapon, you know. Change it up a bit where it feels a bit more like something unique opposed to just changing the gun. Um... But, you know, whatever. It is what it is. As I've said before, it's not the end of the world. They're just Daleks, and it's being very nitpicky. I, you know, you enjoy it for what it is. It's not my personal favourite Dalek story for those reasons, but I still find a lot of enjoyment out of it, and, you know, there we go. Um, so now we're going to talk about my favourite part of the episode, which was Yaz, and Yaz coming out, um, and how well handled that was, and how important it was. Um... Now, it seems daft as, you know, a straight white cis man to talk about, you know, this and and sort of give my opinion and thoughts on it. It feels a bit daft. So I'm not going to go too heavy on what it means to me because it doesn't, you know, it's, it's not something that I personally relate with, but I love that they did it. And I love that they did it because I can see how important it is for so many people. And there's so many people who I'm friends with. There's so many people who I know in the Doctor Who community online, in person who really relate with this and it meant so so much to them and that makes me unbelievably happy like i can't believe that we haven't had a doctor who companion like come out before that's insane to me like i thought that would have been done by now but then i look back and the only kind of openly lgbt companion we've had other than like captain jack is probably bill potts and you know she was already quite sure of herself having it's it's not just about yaz fancying the doctor it's the way it's phrased, implying that Yaz hasn't even kind of admitted this to herself, is a very kind of relevant thing to sexuality and how she expresses that. She's not, she doesn't know, she, she's really uncertain and unsure about these feelings and, and, and that's, 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 that's alright, you know, and that's, it's great that they use this as an angle because it, it kind of came out of nowhere in terms of character development, in terms of genuine, real writing to give Yaz the kind of character where she actually has these feelings and emotions. And then maybe that gives hand to some of the times where she has been a bit more quiet and a bit more awkward around things. You can go, well, she's been struggling. And she has been struggling. We know in the past this character has had mental health issues and and struggles with um, stuff like depression, potentially. Um, Although not explicitly stated, that's what it's kind of implying. Um, And then we've got this now with the sexuality i think is a very important thing and it makes yaz a very relatable character for a lot of people and i think that's brilliant and i'm so glad doctor who and i'm so glad chris chibnall had the balls to actually do it um because i know a lot of fans you know some people sort of kind of lightly joking about thasman and go, oh you know that, we ship it and all that sort of thing but this is a genuine like real and important way of doing it it's not just going oh yeah yaz fancies the doctor oh you know big surprise it's Yaz coming to terms with herself and her sexuality and her relationship with the Doctor. And it also, it gives Dan a bit of character as well. You know, Dan noticing it and, and, and talking 
to Yaz and the Doctor about it. It felt so personal and so real. Like, when these moments happened, I felt emotional. Like, properly, properly emotional. And I haven't felt, like, that emotional for, like, Doctor Who in, in quite a while. Where I've been like, oh my god, you know? There's, I'm an old-fashioned romantic. I quite like that sort of stuff. It get you know... It makes me tear up. It get you know. It gets me going, and it's like I I like that kind of dynamic, and not only you know not just as a dynamic as a sort of like you know a happy button. You just sort of smash it, and it's like ah, character fancies another. Great. It's emotional, and it's right, and it's meaningful, and more importantly, it's very real, which is not something I can really say about Chibnall's writing for the companions prior to this too much i mean bits and bats fair enough but nothing too much and this really takes me back to like graham in the um, woman who felt the worth when he's like grieving grace and he's doing that speech it feels very real feels very personal feels very emotional and that's how i felt with yaz here like she's crying like she's got tears coming down her face in that scene when she's coming out to dan and talking about that even very subtly and very um, basically, it's it's such an important moment for her as a character, but it's such an important moment for Doctor Who as well to have such a a big thing like this in in the show. Like we've had characters obviously in the past who I don't know who are LGBT plus, and and that's that's incredible, obviously. But what it surprises me again that we've never had a character come out, and it was so impactful and so real. And I honestly thought we'd have to wait for Russell to come in to do something like that. And give that sort of representation on the show. But I think it just goes to show you do something like that. You do it well. You make it emotional. You make it personal. You make it real. And just look at stuff like Twitter. You can see the amount of people that this has touched. Even people who are usually kind of negative about this era of Doctor Who are kind of like, okay, that stuff was pretty good. Not everyone, of course. And it's, it's all personal opinion. It is just a TV show after all. But it clearly meant a lot of pe- a lot for a lot of people. Um and I saw that on Twitter, obviously, but I knew that immediately when I saw it, when it first aired. I cheered. I cheered. I genuinely cheered. It's a bit embarrassing, but I did. I cheered, and I was, and I watched it again, and I'm, I'm kind of like half watching it while I'm like working and all that sort of thing. And then I look back at the episode, and I fully watch that scene again. I fully make sure I'm, I'm paying attention entirely because I absolutely love it. It's so, it's so unlike the rest of the episode, weirdly, um, that it sticks out, but in a really, really good way. But yeah, anyway, that's kind of my feelings on that. I didn't want to sort of go too hard on that. But yeah, that's my kind of feelings towards that. I think it's a it's a brilliant part of the episode. And I'm so excited to see how this has developed in the next two episodes. I really hope the Sea Devils episode doesn't just ignore this and doesn't just brush it under the rug. I hope it really plays into it more. You know, I want Yaz to come close to telling the Doctor. I want the Doctor to maybe say something or imply something. I want to see where this develops. I don't want them to be a couple. Let me make that clear. I don't think they should have a happy ending. And you know what? I don't think they will. Only because I feel like the Doctor-Companion relationships are always a bit weird for me. I love the Doctor and Rosa's dynamic. But I don't love the fact that they kind of... They love each other and there's just sort of unrequited love. I like the way it ends, though. I like the way that it sort of ends open-ended. The Doctor has to move on. He can't stay with Rose. He has to move on. And the Metacrisis Doctor gets to live with Rose and live out his days. And then River Song makes sense because it's River Song and she's a time traveller and kind of half time lord and runs about the universe as well in the wrong order so obviously the doctor's going to be attracted to that and that makes sense in terms of a relationship point of view and that was dealt very well obviously we had uh, the husbands of river song but the final ending for me the proper emotional ending for that and one of my favorite moments in doctor who history is in name of the doctor when 
the doctor and river have that conversation when he's not be, he's not supposed to be able to see her and they talk and you know they kiss and it's beautiful and it's so so good it's one of my favorite moments in new who or in doctor who generally actually um so with this i hope that it's developed enough where i feel the emotion when it's gonna end badly because i feel like there's two episodes until jody regenerates we know the master's back in the centenary special i don't think it's gonna end well but i hope it's developed enough and it's emotional enough that when something bad does happen i feel that effect like i feel sad i want to feel emotions from doctor who i want it to give me those emotions and it's so close it just again and i my I hate saying this because I said it with Flux and it didn't happen, but it needs to stick the landing. Because Flux didn't stick the landing. When I said that, it needs to. I'm worried about saying it needs to stick the landing this time because I'm worried again that it will not stick the landing. But, fingers crossed. We'll see, I guess. <laughs> um, oh, Anyway, let's go to Twitter and let's see what you guys had to say about this episode. We always do this. Um... But yeah, let's go through what you guys thought, because I think there's a lot of different opinions on this, and um, yeah, let's go through. So Tom Coates said, it was super weird. In some ways, it was the best episode of the Chibnall era, just really fun, mostly well-assembled, great casting, highly enjoyable. In other ways, it was remarkably unchallenging and slight. I don't, I sort of don't care, I just thought it was fun, which is a great way of summing it up. I think that's kind of my opinion on it as well. It's, it's got a lot going for it, but it's also kind of just nothing as well and it's kind of bland and kind of forgettable but it's it's good it's a good doctor who but it, it, you know the little i don't know it just kind of feels yeah in some places which i think is totally fair um ben delaney says good concept executed well in the storytelling and editing some small plot holes um suffering with some clunky dialogue and underacted scenes fair enough um ultimate 13 says it was okay it felt like it exhausted itself and the comedy got a bit repetitive i agree with that um i did like some fun moments and while i'm happy for yaz loving the doctor i hope to god it's not reciprocated i don't like it when that happens so please not true phasmin also sea devils yes yeah we'll love the sea devils um i kind of agree i kind of don't i would kind of like to see it reciprocated but end badly um because we know, like, the next Doctor's going to come in, and, like, very, very soon, and Yaz is going to leave, and it's not going to be... I don't want it to be, like, Yaz walking out because the new Doctor isn't 13th. I kind of want it to end badly. That's the cynical side of me being, like, it would be better TV if it ended tragically. But also, I really don't want it to end tragically for these characters. But also, it should, because that's that, that, that would be good TV, and it would be good emotional payoff. Well... Not, well, not for the fans, it would be horrible, it would be, you know, really sad, but, yeah. Um, I also am not a fan of Doctor Companion relationships, but I feel because there's only two episodes left, I'm happy to see them develop it, because there won't be a point where these two will be in a relationship together. It's just not going to happen. It's like, it's never going to happen. Um, I, I like the idea that they can... I don't know. I like the idea that they can just, they can sort of touch on it and get to a point where it's going to happen, maybe even kiss, and then it falls apart and everyone fucking dies or something. I don't know. But I think that's where it's probably going to go. It's where I'd like it to go. I hope it's reciprocated to some extent, but not fully. It needs to be more coming from Yaz, and I feel like it needs to be understood and out in the open before it's taken away tragically. And yeah, the Sea Devils are exciting as well. Jack Richardson said, lots of good ideas, lovely character moments, and a strong supporting cast, shackled by really clunky execution. 
Um, 90% of Jodie's dialogue was exposition, <laughs> fair enough, and the setups and payoffs were badly implemented. I just don't vibe with Chib's dialogue. He always uses five words when one will do. I feel that's fair. I feel that's a really fair point. I feel there is a lot of expositional stuff, and I think that's a lot of people's problem. I think probably partially my issue with 13 as well, and, and, and Jodie's interpretation of the Doctor, is not in the acting, it is just the writing and how she's characterised. Very happy-go-lucky, and then it's very a lot of exposition as well. And that's fair enough, and I feel like that was definitely the case with this episode, actually. Thinking about it, there's probably a couple jokes from Jodie, but the rest of it was like exposition and here's what's happening here's why we need to do this we're gonna die we're not gonna die we're gonna do this we're gonna get looped again all that sort of thing um but yeah no i get it i get it that is the doctor as well i suppose the plan making the constant thinking uh out loud sonic the screwdriver good name um one of my favorite episodes of the chibnall era up there with war of the sontarans and spyfall and only a little than demons of the punjab and it takes you away fair enough i think that's a good yeah, good point as well. Um, it's pretty good. Not my personal favourite. It's definitely not up there for me, but it did deliver a lot of great moments that I'm quite pleased with. So, yeah. Uh, Gen Z fan 23 said, I like it. I think the scene where Yaz told Dan she's in love with the Doctor was quite powerful and probably one of both Yaz's best moments and possibly in this era. I just absolutely 100% agree. Um, but I like the Daleks with their miniguns and the the basically... Sorry, and basically killing the characters as if it's a COD game. Great idea. Great, yeah, I like that as well. It's 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 quite fun. They do feel a little bit like they're in a COD game, don't they? Um, Matt Price said, I loved it. A real hoot. Really clever execution of its concept. Daleks forced into banter. Uh, amazed people didn't... Uh, amazed people think there was absolutely no plot. I thought the plot was quite basic, but it was, it was fun. You know, it was very simple. Um, but the thing with the time loop is it is very simple. You can just do the same thing over and over again every 10 minutes. So, yeah, I get that, but still. Um, God, there's a lot of comments here. Uh, Ghost Monument, Eve of the Daleks was brilliant. I love the humour, and I really, really, really loved Yaz talking to Dan about our feelings for the Doctor. Uh, we've got uh, Zach, he said, easily Chibnall's best special, if not episode, all round solid with an amazing guest cast. Side note, when this e when this era is over... I think it will be looked on a lot more fondly uh, as an epic rather than just a big standard three series and done. Um, I'd agree, actually. That's a really good point to, to look on. Um, I think, um, yeah, I was thinking this as well. It, it does feel a lot more like one big kind of saga uh, than it does something individual. Um, you know, series 11 builds up its characters, uh, its companions and the dynamic between them and the Doctor, all before introducing the Daleks with their story. Uh, and then the master leading into the timeless child stuff, which is basically the crux of Jodie's entire era. So, yeah, I quite like that that's played on. I wish there was a little bit more of a sprinkle of the timeless child in series 11 just to make it gel a lot nicer. But you can say a lot of things in retrospect, you know, when you're not actually running a TV show. Um, you know, it's easy to sit. It's easy for me to sit here in my fat arse and criticise all the different things. But generally... Yeah, it's a great point. I think people will look back on it a lot more fondly. Still a lot of problems in there, still a lot of issues, but there are some episodes in there that which really, really shine, which get overlooked quite a lot, I say. Jake Eaton says, I really wish the reveal happened sooner. Chibnall has three whole series to do that reveal. It just seems pointless when we know they're both leaving in a few specials. I'd agree, but if they did the reveal at the mid like midway of series 12, then they'd have to kind of dance around it for about a year and a half because would people really be too happy with the Doctor and Yaz being like a full relationship kind of couple? That dynamic has never been explored in Doctor Who before, and it's a very 
iffy one because if people don't like it, then you just have to immediately kill off a character. You can't develop them anymore. Whereas if you do it like this, where you sort of hint at it for a bit and then reveal it a couple times before they leave, you know that it, that as soon as it's out in the open, it's going to end badly. And that, to me, is better drama than just telling you up front, personally. But, I, you know, fair enough. Um, Tales of War said, loved it, my favourite episode for 13 thus far. Silver Venomize said, this episode was a good New Year's episode uh, and better than Resolution, in my opinion. Um, Revolution of the Daleks will always be the best New Year's special for this era of the Doctor since it brought back Captain Jack. Mentioned Gwen Cooper and Rose. I was kind of hoping for Davros. Um, I was kind of hoping Davros would be behind this. Yeah, maybe a little bit of a like remembrance of the Daleks kind of thing, where Davros kind of shows up kind of at the end and is just kind of there, but doesn't really do anything. He's just kind of the one behind all this stuff. But yeah, maybe I don't know. Um, at box full of bickies. Uh, overall, this episode, like the last three episodes, had me feeling at the end, is this it? Even though there were some great elements, I thought Dan was great even though he didn't take on more of a main role. But every scene he was in, he shined. Sarah and Nick's characters were fun, uh, were a fun addition. Uh, but I'm not really sure what's up with the Doctor in this. To me, she didn't feel as usual in maybe her presence. More the writing of her than Jodie herself. But the Doctor felt like a similar character here to me. Um... A smaller character. But the Doctor felt like a smaller character here to me. Uh, I'm excited to see Legend of the Sea Devils, though. Yep, totally agree. I think that's that's basically it for this. I'm glad I'm not the only one who can see a slight difference in 13 in this episode. There's a bit of a weird thing. And it's not... I don't think it's intentional. I think it's just the, the kind of expositional writing. And this is a little bit more heavy than usual. Um... Ollie said, um, the best of the Tribunal specials. It was really good fun, I enjoyed it, the execution of the time loop was good, and I'm glad they didn't just resolve the plot after one or two rounds of the loop. The characters were decent, and I thought the story had a good pace. Sam says, uh, fun on first watch, but once I started to think about it, the sheer number of inconsistencies and questionable decisions kind of blew me away. I think that Yaz's confession should have been shorter, similar to Jack and Martha, uh, after 10 demonstrates the perception filter. Yeah, I, I feel like I I disagree. I disagree there only because I feel like Yaz's sort of talking about her sexuality and talking about 13. It wasn't that long. It was like less than a minute. And I think like I, I'm happy to let that happen. I'm happy to let that breathe because it was the best bit of the episode for me. In terms of inconsistencies and questionable decisions. Yep, I can agree there. I think there's a few things where I was like, that was edited weirdly, or that's some weird logic. Like, there was a thing in this episode about, like, Nick always dies before a certain time, so if they get to the point where the time loop starts later, he'll be dead. But that's not how, that's, like, not how it works. And then, like, I'm sure they get to the point where the time loop starts later, and it's still not really, like, they don't, he doesn't die by the end of it. So I'm not really sure... I mean, I have to, again, I'll probably have to rewatch it again and pay even more attention to that bit, but the fact that I have to watch it three times to get that if it even makes sense to begin with, is the problem there. It's kind of a bit too complex of a thing, and it feels like it's only thrown in there so Aisling B cares more about Nick um, as a character when wants to save him, and then can bring up the good-hearted idiot line. Good-hearted idiot? Good-hearted weirdo, not idiot. Um, but yeah, that's that. Um, I think we're done with Twitter then. Um, I think we're done with this review, basically. I think I've talked all I can about this episode, really. So I think we're going to wrap it up. Um... But overall, I did really enjoy it. I think it has got its problems, and it is 
mostly for me the problem is kind of like it's a bit forgettable but on the whole it's still a lot of fun and it's still a lot you know there it's a it's a nice fun new year's romp which i did feel a little bit of distaste towards coming out but to be honest I'm, i don't feel too strongly about it i am quite excited for um legend of the sea devils that is a very exciting concept bringing back such an old old villain and also doing sort of chinese pirates and like just sort of that like ancient chinese mythology and mixing that with the sea devils is a fascinating idea and concept so very excited for that um and very excited to see where the rest of this era is going to go with the centenary special as well so you know um stick around we're we're, we're we're getting through we'll be back in april easter time to do a full podcast review hopefully of legend of the sea devils when that eventually does come out and obviously the centenary special as well when that drops so do stay tuned and yeah thanks so much for watching um i hope you have a lovely day and i will see you all later make sure you follow our socials all that sort of thing in the description Obviously, I'm at GB Sheard on Instagram and Twitter, but also we've got Spill Your Beans on Twitter and Instagram as well, so go and check them out. Um, if you haven't already, go and check back some old film reviews on here as well. They, we've still got a lot of great episodes on there that you might not have seen for a lot of great films, so please do consider going to check them out as well. But yeah, thanks so much for watching. Uh, sorry, thanks so much for listening. We're not on YouTube anymore. Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you all soon. Have a lovely day. Bye-bye.